Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a five-part series on supply chain data management. This series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. Ascent Compliance provides cloud-based SaaS solutions that help companies manage their supply chain data, facilitate stakeholder and supply chain education on regulatory and program requirements, and increase transparency between businesses. Ascent helps companies overcome the challenge of meeting their compliance business requirements. The uh, Finally, Ascent streamlines the data exchange process for suppliers, making it easier for them to comply with their customers' data requests. For more information, check out their website, ascentcompliance.com. In this podcast series, I visit with several members of the Ascent Compliance team to visit about supply chain data management. We consider the synergies between different types of compliance disciplines, the impacts on organizations of compliance failures in this area, and what are some of the drivers for continued legislation and regulation in this area. It is a fascinating series. I know you will enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening. In this fifth and final episode, I have back with me Travis Miller. Travis is the General Counsel at Ascent Compliance and Director of Ascent Compliance USA Limited. We consider market drivers for continued legislation and regulation of the supply chain. This podcast series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our fifth and concluding episode in our five-part series. Today, I have back with me Travis Miller. Travis is the General Counsel at Ascent Compliance and Director of Ascent Compliance USA. Travis, first of all, uh, thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. My pleasure. Uh, Thank you for being so generous with your time. So, uh, Travis, today we are going to take up the topic of market drivers for continued legislation. And so I wanted to start with uh, really, I think, one of the biggest, um, uh, not really difficulties, but perhaps challenges in the better word for businesses today, which is the impact of external stakeholders on business behavior. We've obviously seen social media magnify really anything that can happen, but within the business community, I think there's a recognition that there are numerous external stakeholders that a company, if not has to answer to directly, must at least pay attention to. So where do you see that? Uh, It's a real interesting question. Um, You know, a lot of ways it gets back to, you know, what is a corporation or a business's purpose? Um, you know, practically speaking, when corporations and businesses were first formed, they were supposed to be a social good. Uh, you know, they were supposed to be something that was designed to allow people to achieve an outcome that expanded beyond a lifetime, beyond a singular investment. Uh, and, you know, through time, uh, that ethos was there, but it changed more into, you know, continuous existence of the corporation, not just to achieve, you know, a corporate good. Now, what's happening is kind of a reaction to that, you know, a very visceral reaction in a lot of ways, uh, that people are saying that corporations aren't upholding their end of the bargain. You know, they're not doing why, what they were originally intended to do. And as a result, we're now expecting more of them. We want them to go back to some of those requirements, some of those original purposes. And if you're going to be able to allow to profit and exist, and to accumulate this type of source of money, 
or this amount of wealth and income inside of these finite privately owned enterprises, we now have an expectation that at least a portion of that money is going to go to certain public goods or certain activities that are deemed essential. Um, so that really has become the driver behind a lot of these new initiatives, things that were once voluntary, things that were once, hey, this is a nice thing to do for marketing, are now becoming mandatory through the implementation of a lot of rules, regulations, laws, market access requirements. And if you want to sell here, if you want to do business here, you're going to have to at least do these minimum things. Travis, let me change the focus just a little bit because, uh, as you know, uh, my background is in anti-corruption compliance. That means the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. But there's a wide variety of, of regulations around compliance. Some of those are very robust in terms of their financial penalties, even potential criminal penalties. Others um are not really uh, focused on enforcement, and sometimes the legislation does not even provide for enforcement. That has led to the the name and shame debate. But I was wondering from your perspective, as someone who sees a wide variety of businesses, how does that impact businesses, and what should companies take into account uh, depending on the legislation which they may uh, may apply to them? Sure. Well, I say, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting concept, um, and it really is um, kind of a byproduct of our social media culture where you know, so much is shared. So much of what we decide to do as people is really dictated by those around us and their perception. And when the perception is, is that you are doing something negative as a brand or as a company, oftentimes that can be more catastrophic or at least as catastrophic as a very significant financial penalty. Now, in the same breath or the same token, um, you, you know, as much as anybody by your background, when the FCPA and anti-bribery and anti-corruption first came out, um, it wasn't really that well enforced. In a lot of ways, it was an identification of bad actors. That was its original intent. That's what it originally started to do. And it was only later, you know, almost a decade or so later, really, that enforcement started to pick up or the idea that people could receive these eye-popping financial penalties started to pop up and when enforcement really started to occur, you're probably seeing a very similar trend right now with a lot of the labor practice violations, with a lot of the investigations into what people are doing. It's only a matter of time before either the law is changed to allow for financial penalties or that some clever policy or some clever a type of an agent and a regulator or an enforcement authority finds a way to hold companies accountable for not doing what they're anticipated they should as the laws become more mature and they become expectations uh, as opposed to this is something new. So I think you're probably going to see a lot of that coming about in the next several years. And that really leads to what I wanted to conclude with, Travis, which is, and it's something I've really thought about over the years, but why is legislation to address corporate ethics so important in this process of cultural shift, in your opinion? So why do we see um, laws very much as guidelines? And, you know, there's always a large kind of deregulation population and movement out there. Um, but practically speaking, if you don't have rules, you can't have business, you can't have trade. 
You can't even have a corporation without laws and rules. You wouldn't have a stock market without laws and rules kind of dictating what the norms are. What is the expectation? What I always find curious is whenever you see people starting to get punished, say like the privacy issues that are popping up right now, you know, say uh, the issues that influence the potential election where social media was influenced or hacked or any of this, what is it that business always almost immediately calls for? Well, they say, well, we need regulation. We need to know what the expectation is, what we're supposed to do. And when business starts calling for regulation before the regulators start to regulate, that's when you know you probably find yourself in a bit of a mucky situation where the regulators really kind of got to get on the good foot, you know, understand how business has evolved and understand what the expectations are of the population that's being governed and figure out a way to come up with some reasonable rules and regulations so that people can stay within the confines of what they're supposed to do. It's that old adage in business, what gets measured gets managed. If you don't have a measurement device or tool, it's never going to get managed. So what intrigued me so much about uh, this issue is I have seen over the past 15 years a change uh, or rather an increase initially in FCPA enforcement. Uh, the, the sort of, a, I don't want to say bottoming out, but perhaps uh, flattening. And now we have a um, Department of Justice that is moving towards more of a public-private partnership in the overall fight against bribery and corruption. So uh, it's this cultural shift really works both ways, at least in my experience, both with the uh, regulators, uh, but also with corporations in this interplay, and, and one might even call it a dialogue. Is that something uh, you've seen as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, regulators and policy folks, uh, policy wonks, um, they know policy. They know regulation. What they don't know is business. So without the business community being involved, being open to sharing, and starting to set some of the standards, without having those kind of ethical leaders or individuals that are willing to come forth and say, this is what people should be doing. This is how proper business is done. Then there's not a benchmark. There's nothing to hold oneself against. So until business really kind of takes that initiative, and regulators understand this, they're not going to be able to come up with ways to set expectations. So I, I think those public-private partnerships are so critical, so important, um, and really it's what formulates a better way that all businesses can operate because what we really don't see enough of is what is the best practice? How did this company find themselves so successful? What is it that they were doing that was so valuable? And if you don't see that, others can't emulate it, and you can't build up the entire business community and make everybody better. It's almost a race to the top scenario that gets created when policymakers and regulators collaborate. Well, Travis, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but we've been looking at today or at least exploring market drivers for continued legislation and indeed uh, continued evolution, both uh, from the regulators and the business community. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. Absolutely, Tom. It was uh, my distinct pleasure, and uh, I hope to talk to you again in the not-too-distant future. 
Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Supply Chain Data Management sponsored by Ascent Compliance. I hope you'll join us again for another episode. You can find out more about Ascent by checking out their website, ascentcompliance.com. This special five-part podcast series on supply chain data management is a special presentation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.